All right, time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. I was just enjoying a little rock voisine there. Who doesn't love that song? Yeah, very nice, very nice. Uh, your musical selections uh, provide me with an education in all the years <laughs> that I missed after I uh, retreated to my basement command center and uh, stopped going to concerts. Yes, we do try to help out with that. Although, I hear, <laughs> look at you, your daughter, you know, you could have gone to some concerts, it sounds like. You were having a good time. My friend Justine was very amused at the uh, oh, spot yesterday when I disclosed that I was determined to be not cool enough to take my daughter to Nickelback, but Justine was designated as cool enough. She's a little worried of what her uh, members of her Nine Inch Nails fan club will think of that uh, revelation. That she went to a Nickelback she, concert? She, yeah, she assured me that her very first concert she ever went to was Trooper, so oh, there boy. you go. The she very... wanted to go to Kiss, but her father wouldn't arrange it. I can top that. My The very first first concert I ever went to as a little kid was, wait for it, Sean Cassidy. Uh, well, that's sort of understandable. Uh, was the era. When, when Elise was in university, she and all of her friends uh, went to the big Spiced Girls re- re- <laughs> tour. But they did it as an act of irony, I think. I don't think... It- oh, sure they did. Sure they did. That's what they tell people, but yeah. they loved it. They loved it. Uh, let's talk about some LNG this morning, because it yeah. turns out, look that, LNG is still around in BC. Yeah, this was a fascinating day yesterday, because ever since David Eby became Premier last fall, he's been bombarded with questions from both directions on the LNG file. The Greens have been harassing him in the House about, well, how can you even entertain the idea of any more LNG production in British Columbia when everybody knows LNG is destroying the planet and you have climate action targets and there'll be a total hoax if you approve this stuff. And on the other side, you've had the BC Liberals and industry and some communities and some Indigenous leaders saying we've got really good LNG projects ready to go here in BC. The world wants LNG, especially to replace natural gas from Russia, and when are you going to approve these things? So yesterday, yesterday, how's he going to square this was really the question. Really interesting what they did yesterday, Simi. They had a double-header press conference. There was a tech briefing and an announcement at 1.15, and uh, reporters digested that news. And then at 2.15, uh, Act 2. The first announcement was that the government has approved another LNG project, Indigenous-backed, $2.4 billion, a floating terminal in Kitimat. And then at 2.15, you got the Premier's revised clean energy plan, which basically imposes conditions for the future on any future LNG projects in B.C. They all have to have a plan for net zero emissions or they don't get approved. So on the one hand, a new project. On the other hand, conditions that I think would have been unthinkable a few years ago. And so is this something that this project has agreed to adhere to already? Well, that's interesting, Simi. Uh, you've, you've touched on the reason that Cedar LNG, that's the Heisler project, indigenous-backed and floating one, uh, was announced first. Um, it kind of snuck in under the wire. It is not. It does not have a complete net zero emissions plan. It is near zero, says EB, and the backers, uh, the indigenous backers, and it'll be majority owned by indigenous people, so that's really important. Um, They've agreed to work toward that topic, but they're not 
bound to net zero by 2030 um, the way any future project would be. So future projects, the NISCA have a proposal, and LNG Canada, the terminal that's under construction in Kitimat, uh, they would like to double production. So they would have to meet uh, net zero, not just near zero. And we don't have all the numbers Simi on the distinction and some of this stuff is still subject to regulation and has to be worked out but that's how the premier squared the circle he approved a new project with stringent conditions and he announced even tougher conditions for future projects okay so does that mean that other projects are forthcoming uh you know there's some from what they said yesterday there's some fairly big stuff out there so there are uh, LNG Canada wants to double production. There's the Tilbury Island project, uh, which is uh, not a, not 100% approved yet. Uh, there is wood fiber, uh, the one at uh, at uh, wood uh, at um, Squamish, um, and there is yeah, as I said, the the big Niska project. So there's there's out there major stuff. The other thing is they talked about green hydrogen. So you were going to be hearing a lot of talk about this. Essentially, hydrogen fuel uh, as a substitute for fossil fuels. Uh, Hydrogen fuel does not itself emit emissions, just water vapor. But how is the hydrogen produced? The green hydrogen is produced, Simi, um, the, the not green hydrogen is produced by burning natural gas, which doesn't really meet the target. Uh, green hydrogen is produced with clean, renewable electricity. So EB says uh, the province has 50 feelers, uh, expressions of interest out there, wants to go ahead with that. And b- his government is going to produce a plan, mm-hmm, we'll see, to make green hydrogen to provide the electricity to do that. It's pretty clear, Simi, from what we heard yesterday, there are going to be enormous demands on the BC hydro grid to provide the clean green electricity to power all these initiatives. Right. And this is also, I suppose, good news for the coastal gas link pipeline. Well, there's a question about the coastal gas link pipeline. It is the pipeline under construction from the northeast to Kitimat that is going to provide the natural gas for the LNG Canada terminal, the one that's under construction, and it will also provide the natural gas for the Heisler project. So that's good news, and that gas is going to be consumed when it's available. As you know, there is still a question about that pipeline. It is controversial. Uh, I looked at their most recent construction updates, posted on their website, Coastal Gas Link. You can go have a look at it. It's 84% complete, but there's a 77-kilometer long section in the middle that only 42% of the pipe has been put down, and there's still issues there. That is the area that is subject with the contentious battle with some leaders of the Wet'suwet'en who do not want the project and are trying to stop it. Okay, well, that makes this interesting, though, because this is an Indigenous-led project that yeah. we're talking about that will need this pipeline. Yes, you know, that, again, we talk about how British Columbia has changed, you know, yeah. for the... For the, for the 
the implications of saying to indigenous people that you will control the destiny of the resources and the land in your traditional territory is is double-edged. If you are an environmentalist and you're signing, you're aligned with the indigenous leaders that don't want development and don't want projects, um, that's great. But what about the indigenous leaders who do want development? Yeah do want projects and are saying to environmental protesters, get the hell off of our land, right? It's our land and we're going to determine the future. It was the the EB's announcement, the first one on the Heisler project yesterday. You know, he's Crystal Smith, the leader of the Heisler is there. And look, standing on the sidelines, one of the architects of that project, Alice Ross, the BC Liberal MLA. He was chief counselor of the Heisler when they first conceived of this project. And he says, this is the future for indigenous people. This is jobs for our people. This is giving us a share of the future growth of the province. And he is pro-development. So, you know, it's it's a big change in British Columbia, not just in terms of indigenous control over their land and resources, but it is also a huge opening for Indigenous leaders who do want development and jobs coming from their land. I wonder if this changes the dynamic then in in terms of getting that last bit of that pipeline finished. Yeah, I mean, look, Indigenous leaders uh, are trying to work behind the scenes. The provincial and federal governments are trying to work behind the scenes. A majority a huge majority of the elected leadership of the First Nations along that route support this project. A lot of First Nations uh, uh, have people working on the project. A lot of First Nations are getting a piece of the action in terms of the promised benefits. But there is a holdout group, and, uh, you know, the government has been trying to deal with this for years. Uh, Environmental protesters lined up with them, Uh, international controversy, I don't know how it's going to come out, but I agree with your suggestion that the fact that the gas is now going to be feeding the first indigenous-owned natural gas uh, LNG project in Canada, the fact that the line is needed for that ought to shift the dynamic in favor of the project, but... I guess we'll have to see, Simi. We will. I guess almost time to check in with Site C, too, right, and see how that's doing. You know, that's a fascinating thing, right? And I've covered the controversy with Site C (laughs) for a long, long time. But BC Hydro is going to have to electrify the province and provide a lot more electricity, clean electricity, uh, to feed all these projects. So Site C is going to be needed, whatever you think of Site C. But, you know, EB did drop yesterday. He said there's a big problem with BC Hydro projects. It takes eight or nine years to get them approved. And he said that's not acceptable anymore. Uh, the demand for electricity to meet these targets in 2030 is such that you're going to have to get this stuff built a lot faster. That is going to take new environmental approval processes, SIMI, federal government cooperation, and you're going to need the absolute total backing of the indigenous First Nations along the route because legal action, regulatory holdups, you won't have, the electricity won't be there, and no one's going to invest in these huge expansions if they can't be guaranteed that clean electricity, they're going to insist on guarantees the electricity is going to be there. Exactly. All right, Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi.